And we are live with our 44th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Seth Law. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. At Seth Law on Twitter, because Ken dropped it this week for some reason. I don't know. It's it's almost like his introductions are failing and, you know, the podcast is just dropping off. Uh, I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> I'm well, ruining well, I'm back. ruining this whole damn podcast. It's my fault. Damn it, damn it Ken. Crap. If I, if I say damn it too many times, I've got to mark it as explicit. So we better be careful. That's our goal uh, is to tiptoe that line tonight. Yeah. What's the number? What's the number? I need to make 184 <laughs> F-bombs. <laughs> yeah. Easy. 183. Eh, 184. Uh, we can slip it through. Yeah, exactly. or we, we can't slip it through. So <laughs> Apple's uh, you know, recognition will flag it automatically at some point, right? Um, welcome back to the podcast. Apparently, this is going to be one of those nights where we just get off topic very quickly um, because David Corsi is joining us, uh, <laughs> or Corsi as we all like to refer to him, apparently. Uh, Ken and I just got back from AppSec Cali. Uh, we took last week off, if you didn't notice, uh, taught our course on secure code review, and sat by the beach. Um, I'm coming to you live this week from a hotel room in a nondescript location. Uh, the FBI knows where, but no one else does. Uh, that's okay. It's, it's all part of the, the AppSec Cali experience, right, Ken? Yeah, no, uh, living out of a suitcase is definitely part of that experience. But yeah, I, you were out there for, uh, what was six days? Uh, yeah, about six days. days. Yeah, about six yeah. days. I was there just a couple days more. But yeah, it's uh, it was a great time. I mean, you you attended more talks than I did. Uh, were there, what were the notable ones that you... <laughs> What were the what were the notable ones? You're asking me as you uh, you know disappeared. I can't remember conference <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, uh, I had things. I had very important business to take care of. Yeah, let me see. Um, I, I I tweeted out about a bunch of them. If anybody's following my Twitter account, uh, interesting ones that uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, Will and Travis. Uh, speaking about their credential management stuff at Netflix, uh, it was interesting. Also about kind of the SSRF preventions that they have um, that's now released right there, Proxy. Uh, yeah, I need to go back and watch that one. It was good. It was good. Like, it's really interesting how AWS deals with those problems. And that's one of those that, that's one of those tools that's going to be useful to, to people that's not them, right? It doesn't solve SSRF completely, but it does solve the ability to pull the local AWS credentials through a, uh, through through an SSRF vulnerability. Uh, pretty clever way to handle it, right? Um, that in conjunction with like the NetSec tool that the segment guys released, um, you know, between those two, I think you got a pretty good handle on what's going on with SSRF as long as you realize that that's a vulnerability. Um, uh, the keynotes were really good, uh, right? Brian Payne and from Netflix as well. It, it seemed like it was Netflix conference 101, right? With all the Netflix guys speaking and Asta and everybody. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of Silicon for, for those of you who've never been, it's a lot of Silicon Valley sort of uh, style companies or yeah, I guess that'd be the best way to, to describe it. So yeah, I mean, there was a lot of Netflix segment. Um, mm -hmm. GitHub, we had one talk, but Neil had to drop out, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Leaf talking about uh, like we're building relationships with develop with developers. Uh, you know, as a consultant, I you know I, that relationship is a little bit different than I know for the embedded teams, right? Uh, but it's still an interesting thought process for me to go through and say, all right, how do I actually build kind of this trust relationship with a team when I'm only interacting with them under a, you know, under certain conditions or for a short amount of time? Uh, I, I mean, I know, you know, Dave, you at Allstate, you're probably dealing more with the, hey, I need to build an extended relationship so they trust me. But as a consultant, it's always, it's a little, it's a, it's a fine line to walk, right? Yeah. Actually, that's an interesting point because as a consultant, you build up that muscle memory of as quickly as possible trying to build rapport with developers. Like you you have a stable, like a list of phrases that you can use to let them know that you're, you know what you're talking about and you're there to help and you're not just some random security jerk. Um, so I think that did help. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. Uh when you move back and forth between those worlds. Yeah. Uh, let me see. What else did I attend? Uh, the segment guys. Oh, the zap heads up display. Have you guys, have either of you seen that Mm-mm. yet? Um, that was a uh, David Scribonia's talk. Yeah. Who was, uh, he was on earlier. We didn't talk a lot about it on the podcast, but we're going to have to have him back on to talk about it. Cause I was like, hot damn. If that was with burp, I'd be all over that, right? Like I probably even will try, I'll use Zap a little bit more because it overlays control of the proxy on top of the site that you're viewing, right? So you can actually, you know, you know, flag specific fields and have them kick off. Like I, I think in Zap, it's called the fuzzer or whatever. Uh, so typical to the scan or, you know, yeah, similar to Burp Scanner, right? Or Burp Intruder, but you can actually kick off the fuzzer from within the view in your browser. So they're overlaying a JavaScript or they're injecting JavaScript on top of the iframe that is running the, the, that you're viewing the current application in and then giving you all sorts of information. So it's a true heads up display. You don't have to flip back and forth between the app and the application or zap and the application. You can actually see it all there locally. Um, Yeah. I I was pretty excited about that. I, you know, so kudos to Dave and his team for actually putting that together, right? That's the kind of stuff that's going to pull users away from Burp. Yeah, yeah, it, it is because I was like, "Dang!" Like just the usability factor in that, not having to flip back and forth or decide, "All right, where is this actually at?" Or if I'm yeah. manipulating a request, I don't have to do inspect element, or I don't have to catch the request. I can just do it very easily within that display. I. I do. I do. You, I do yeah. want to touch on this real quick, though, because you brought this up, and like, I feel like this is a let's not shy away, like the whole the whole burp suite having issues thing. Because I don't know if anybody's if anyone's actually talking about this. Um, like, I know I mean, you were on the fence there, David. I could <laughs> sense it coming, and I wanted I wanted to just let you loose and just. That's because go ahead. we. That's because we talk about it ad nauseum, and I just assume that everybody has heard us talk about it until they get sick too. Um, you know, I mean, as a professional pen tester, Burp is our our money maker, right? And they've been putting so much development work into stuff for people that are not us, right? Yeah. The the Burp yeah. Enterprise stuff is great for my my AppSec team that's going to put that into their CI pipeline. But do I? I you know 
I've never been the type of pen tester that really relied on burp scanner, right? Like I'll, I'll do individual fields and, and things like that, but I don't just point it at an app and let it go. So why, yeah, would, I I do, why would I do that in the CI pipeline? I always feel like that's, that's uh, like the, the scanner. It was more of like, you felt lucky if it caught something, but yeah, it was never something yeah. you, you relied a hundred percent on at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Zap had such a bad name for a long time that Burp didn't have to do anything. And you look at their, you look at their like 25 year old Java interface and it just doesn't cut it anymore. No, you know, well, they need to shift to electron. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, you laugh about that, but you know, the injected like JavaScript over the top, I mean, at the very least, it gets me out of the the damn you know Java, yeah, crappy Java app. Uh, you know, burp. That's always been the complaint. I mean, if we start way back in the day with WebScarab, it was always a crappy Java app. And I understand the you know build once, run anywhere philosophy. It's just a jar. It's easy enough to spin up, and you can kind of skin it. But it still just looks like a crappy twenty year old Java app. And it's it's you know I love burp, but it's so damn clunky. And like you're talking about the with the heads up display in Zap, you know, you want to do some of those settings in Burp, and you're like, oh man, where is where is this? Which one of the nine configuration tabs is this in? Yeah. And just you know, there's no, it's not pretty. It gets the job done, and it gets the job done well, but it just feels like it hasn't been updated since like Cisco made their GUIs. Yeah, it seems it feels like that's what they're competing with. And, yeah. and I, it, you know, I, I think about when it came of age, and that's what that's what shows, right? Because yeah. it was WebScarab from OWASP. There was no Zap at the time. Uh, there was Burp Suite. There was what Fiddler. The UI on Fiddler is awful as well, right? Yeah, played with that. Um, Peros Proxy, right? I think that was the other one yeah. at the time. Um, and any of them was like, eh, we'll use it. And then the scanner and the intruder functionality is what drew, drew people to Burp and the extensibility, right? the, the plug-in structure. Yeah. So as long as Zap or somebody else can actually come into that space, I, I know on the Slack channels that we talk about that it, it's a constant, it's a constant thing. And yeah. 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 You know, I mean, and it's, it's definitely something that I, I live with it every day. And so, I know the ins and outs, and I, I don't see myself switching off of it to Zap anytime soon, but features like that, for example, I was testing a single-page application two weeks ago or something like that, and, you know, sometimes you go to, like, inspect element, and it won't show you the source for the thing you're actually looking at when you try mm -hmm. to view the source, and it's just gone. Like, it's, you know, the JavaScript is rendering it, and apparently... It's just in the ether somewhere, you know? So I wonder if with the zap heads up display, you'll be able to have more finely tuned control on what you're seeing there. Yeah. Well, when there's like an event that triggers in the browser and changes the DOM or sorry, yeah. did I cut in on them into? No, no, you're fine. Yeah. That's exactly what he's saying is, you know, the, the rendered page is not always the source. So if you're inspecting the element of the stored source, that may not necessarily reflect what you see on your screen. Yeah. And that, like, that was the whole idea. That's the that's the functionality that I want to exercise, and then I'm excited to actually see uh, someone pushing that edge. Um, and like I said, we'll we'll bring Dave back on. I talked to him about it after, and I had some suggestions about 
damn, if you add some of this functionality to that heads up display, it's I'm going to be hard pressed to stick with Burp, right? Um, because it will actually improve my life and improve my pipeline. I don't have to, you know, right click and send it here. And then I send it to the wrong place. You know, stuff like that, like the little shortcut, yeah. things like that. If I hit the wrong one and I, like it works, but the, the whole workflow could be improved. The interesting thing is that most often you hear folks say like um, the cost is sort of an agreement that, we're we're going to be okay with there being some clunkiness and some bugs and yeah, just don't charge. And I don't know what number count, you know, counts as like being to where we're no longer cool with just random bugs and stuff like that. Like if it's, you know, is it 10,000 or 50,000? I mean, I'm going to agree with that, but look, I look at the size of port swigger. Now, like look at the number of developers, look at the effort that they've put into the enterprise version. And, you know, like, Granted, you know, there's software that has more users, but if anything, like over the years, we've been pushing more and more people to use Burp and that a lot of that stuff hasn't changed, right? Stability's yeah. gone up a little bit, at least in the 1.x branch, right? Yeah. And I don't mind the, I don't mind the temporary bug so much. Like, you know, I always update to the latest version every time I get prompted. And so I understand there's going to be problems with that. And I just deal with it. And I've never had anything that's a deal breaker. Um, there's just been minor annoyances that I adjust my life around. You know, we used to have a lot of problems with the project files. Um, and you just knew that like once an hour you needed to back up your project. And we haven't had that in a long time, but. You know, it's interesting that we were talking about the scanner part of that because you, because you said something. You, you'd said minor um, bugs, but there are some not so minor bugs where the scanner just didn't, like, didn't. It, there was, there was just, there weren't findings, and they knew about it later, and were like, "Look, yeah. if it was, you know, it wasn't catching, we'll say XSS or whatever." Um, right. So, like in that case, I guess, yeah, you definitely can't rely on the scanner at all. I think that was. For the two, for the two point version, I think that was pretty early on, and like a week after they made that announcement, and everybody ran around in typical infosec Twitter style. Um, yeah, but that it, happened before two X. I mean, this happened in did the, it? this is how oh, the tool's been around. I mean, I've been working with the tool since two thousand nine, we'll say, and it's been it's. I mean, this has been pretty consistent. There's been something yeah. like that throughout the years. Okay, that's fair. So, well, no, it, it's just. It's like one of those things where you just good example of why you can't trust the scanner. Um, I don't know. Do you guys agree with that mindset that if I don't have to pay a ton of money for an app that I'm not expecting much? No, I mean, for the functionality that I'm using, right. It's, it's gotta do its job. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think, I think a different style of tiered model that we're more used to seeing on other applications would make more sense. Um, you know, most people use 20% of Burp's functionality. And, you know, then if you want if you want the full intruder instead of the timed one, then the price is a little bit more. You know, if you want, um, you know, I don't know, the the sequencer for doing crypto stuff, you know, you add another module. Take the, take the Ida Pro approach, except don't charge as much as Ida Pro. Everybody complains about Ida Pro. I don't even know what the license costs for Ida Pro. I just I just looked at it. All I want is um, x86 and ARM, 
and I think ARM64, X64, we got up to like $15,000 real quick. So is this, so like, is this not, I, I would assume this is not going to be a novice level tool then at this point. Ida? Or yeah, no, no, we're, no, Ida. I haven't, I haven't had like a lot of experience with Ida. So. Ida does the free version that's usually like um, one or two versions behind the current. So I don't remember what the exact number is right now, but you can get Ida free and it's, you know, I don't think it has ARM support, you know, and my, my main focus is mobile. So I have to have ARM. Um, which yeah. we should probably get into and introduce him at, at some point <laughs> properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, wait. Okay. So let's wrap up apps at Cali. Like we, we, we went down the burp path pretty quick. Cause that was a Z, you know, Z attack proxy was interesting. Talk to me. Um, I don't know. Uh, Manico that we've had on the podcast, Jim Manico gave a really good keynote kind of about the history of AppSec and how we've actually come a long way in the last 20 years, but we still got a long way to go. Um, I, it was a great conference, right? I, I feel like everywhere I turn, there's you know people that wanted to talk. Everybody's very engaged in application security. It's not a, I mean, it's not a red teamers conference, right? It's not people that are doing you know, low level or like social engineering, it's very much an application security conference. And I, yeah, but I mean, I'll go back. Uh, there's no doubt I'll be back, right? And I'll go to more talks this time. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure you will. Hey, where's Ken at? Oh, I don't know. I, we haven't seen him yet today. I was there the whole afternoon on Thursday, for the record. For the record, sure. I was there the whole afternoon. And I, I mean, you know, like a big part of that is going in to see your friends, right? So... Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the whole GitHub team was there, right? Or a lot of you. Yeah, a lot of us. I think we were just, we had a few people from product security not there, but besides that, yeah, pretty much the whole, whole AppSec, ProdSec side. Yeah. And the same thing, like the teams from Netflix and Segment and a lot of Silicon Valley companies were was there. It was, it was very cool. So, except Corsi wasn't there and I don't understand what happened that, with that. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. Corporate overlords just want to hold you down. I can't complain, though. I feel like I said this on the last time, but I they sent me to Belfast for B-Sides Belfast, and then I went to DerbyCon this year, and then I went to B-Sides Charleston and B-Sides Augusta. And after that, I was just, I need a break. Um, now, there's some rough locations in Ireland. Were you okay? Did you survive that uh, all right? You're... <laughs> <laughs> it's like being in a movie everywhere you go i bet it's beautiful i've never been i mean yeah, i've been to ireland like dublin but yeah like not yeah yeah not actually not, gone and toured i'm i'm not a big traveler like if i have to go somewhere i'll just go and i i submitted for b-sides belfast and told my wife if i get accepted then i'll see if work would pay for it and it they did everything came through and i was like okay i guess we're going to ireland um <laughs> that's amazing yeah and you know so we went like a week early and just toured and stayed in like these old buildings and saw so you brought your you brought your wife yeah brought the wife yeah no that's like that's a good thing you did that too because it's always funny i don't know how, how your wife's reaction was but usually i'm just in this room doing whatever computer stuff i do and but then when we go and, and travel internationally to do a talk or whatever, and then she's inevitably surprised that all of like 20 people are actually listening 
to anything I would have to say. It's sort of like this, like it's a nice to be like, hey, see, sitting in a room all day long, it actually yep. can can lead to some fun adventures. So. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. Was yeah. she impressed? Yeah, she liked it. You know, I mean, the touring was fun, and then she went to the the conference um, and watched me talk. She didn't see anything else, um, you know. And then we just hung out and talked to people. We actually have a big office over in in Belfast as well, so I got to meet a lot of the, those guys. Very oh, cool. nice. As, what did your Seth? What did your wife say, Seth? When you went to go speak, she was like, "Can she say something like?" Why, why would they want, or why would they want to listen, or yeah, why, why do they, yeah, why, why do they want to listen to you? Like I, you know, boy, I get no respect at home. Right? You're like, I'm already that, saying that shit to myself. No. I don't need you adding to it. <laughs> no, no, what at, at DefCon it was just like, oh, they're probably here for the talk after you, right? That's the one that I got at DefCon. I was like, ow, damn. <laughs> My neurosis is bad enough. I don't need you to, to add to my crippling anxiety. Yeah, well, that's, that's awesome. the last time I submit. Gosh, take you places. I know. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife can usually only handle about like my talk, and she doesn't like going to conferences where I have to talk where I yeah. know people because I tend to like you know we tend to yeah. chat and we're stopping in the hallways and she's like for the love I just want something to eat right yeah that's, that's what she's thinking I'm pretty sure that was the that look, the look on Ken's wife's face at, at B or at AppSec Cali, as she was sitting there on her phone while she was candy crushing. <laughs> she was candy crushing. Yep. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My wife well, has wanted to go with me to DerbyCon for the last couple of years, and I'm like, okay. I mean, you can go, but I know you don't want to go to the conference, so you're going to be in Louisville on your own for three days. Like, you sure about this? <laughs> <laughs> big, big, big destination. Yeah. Big tourist destination. Uh, top, top 10 vacation areas. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping for infiltrate this year and that's in Miami. So she wants to go to Miami now. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's that way for any significant other that has to go to any tech conference. It could be, yeah. you know, developer conference. It could be where, whatever it is. If you're not in, and then it would be the same as if like you were not, I mean, what if we went to like a dentist convention, right? Like there's yeah. nothing we would get from that. So it's gotta be. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was thinking. Like some of the you know, stuff that she would want to go see, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to sit by the pool while you go do your thing. Right. Like I, I totally get it. Right. There, if, yeah. Try explaining that. Be like, well, this this uh, this dental this dent this uh, do- doctor here. He's he's spoken at like seven of these dental conferences, <laughs> or she's a she's a big time anesthesiologist in the dental world. You know, yeah, su- su- super impressed, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's written great. written over forty blogs on it. So <laughs> legit. <laughs> <laughs> do you think do you think other industries have the rock star problem like do you have dental rock stars <laughs> <laughs> i hope so and if so i want to meet them <laughs> or do you do you get like do you get like like he came up he came up oh my god dental dental twitter is so much drama today <laughs> oh all this dental drama for the week <laughs> Man, I just can't even. I, I have to log out of Twitter. All the dental drama. I'm just done with it. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure there's there should be some 
teeth memes that come out of that, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I don't think that there's probably, you know, I'm sure in, I mean, in tech in general, there's always, you know, that, but what, what other industry besides, I mean, do, do lawyers have that? I have no idea. I, I guess that's an interesting more question than we've got answers for. I don't know. My, my dad used to go to lawyer conferences, like, and it just sounded like the most boring thing ever to me. Um, the only, the only thing I got out of it was he came back and he had like, he was, when I, when I lived down in Charleston, he was actually in Columbia. And so, I mean, it was like an hour and a half drive, hour drive. He flies out to Columbia for this conference and then goes home and then tells me like, yeah, I was in Columbia last week. Like <laughs> I haven't seen you in three years. <laughs> you could have called doing legal stuff. <laughs> yeah. Law stuff. Law stuff. <laughs> Super legit. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it'd be interesting to actually see if the, it, it is, but it's definitely one of the quirks of the industry for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So I'll, I'll get on to the AppSec Minute here. Just It'll be like literally just a minute because we've, and then I'm going to properly introduce Corsi. Does that sound good, Seth? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, let's do it. Sweet. So the question was, um, hi, Ken. Uh, da, da, da. I was wondering if you could help me with your experience in managing bug bounty programs. And by the way, I, you know, Corsi, we talked about it. Well, see, I'm calling you Corsi. I'm not even calling you David. David, uh, Feel free to chime in on this one. But yeah, so the question was, could you help me with your experience in managing a bug bounty program? At my work, we are trying to evaluate the amount of time to put in to put in in terms of managing communication with researchers. In your experience, do you have a dedicated team to exchange with Hacker One and the resource researchers, or is it a 20% job? Okay. So basically the, the this comes down to, you know, what's what's it like um, time-wise? How do you divvy up that uh, response, et cetera, et cetera? So Ours is a um, public bounty, although we do have like a private bounty for some features. Um, but yeah, there's a it's a public bounty program. Um, there we don't we we tr we experimented with it, but found that it wasn't for us, uh, which was uh, responding or having, sorry, having Hacker One do some triaging um, and do some initial responses for things that might that are probably not uh, a vulnerability. Um, but it didn't end up working for us for, uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, I think one of the big ones was we like to have a personal touch. Um, and this goes to this question, which is, you know, how to engage researchers and how do you engage researchers? So like, um, I guess what, what I would say is that we've got Monday through Friday, each day broken up. So between like, you know, typical nine to five, whatever bug submissions come in, um, that is, you know, that's your rotation day. That's, uh, you're going to be the person responding unless it's something that's like a, a feature you reviewed or something you're familiar with, whatever it may be. Um, so, uh, you know, that's what five people want, 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 uh, uh, so then, um, uh, the other piece is how many hours. And I would say it, some, sometimes you get four submissions that are very easy to close. Um, but yeah, some days it could be, you know, a good chunk of your, your, your day devoted to whatever. Sometimes you get submissions that are on the line and you're not really sure. And then you have to go do a bunch of digging to find out that we, it was like a known issue or something like that. And uh, those are the days that you didn't, and you could spend up to like four or five hours on that day. 
Uh, but most of the time, it's not a huge burden. Um, I mean, we're talking maybe a couple hours uh, on your duty days, typically. So, anyways, that's our that's sort of my experience. But of course, yeah, I know you. Well, so you were saying uh, before, when you guys release a new product or a new target into the bounty zone, right? What would that graph look like of how many reports you get on day one versus day sixty? Somebody just wrote up a uh, synopsis on that actually. And um, cause we did have a private bounty for a, for a new thing coming out and uh, which is a pretty big feature. Um, so anyways, uh, we, you, you know, say you're going to drop what it is. That's no, actually it might already be public, but it's, it's just, it's when I say big, I don't mean like a big, like, Oh, it's life changing. I just mean it's, it's a big in the sense that it's, you know, a impact a code. Yeah. Code, yeah, code we, to review. We know what big means. Oh, you're familiar. <laughs> Just like my uh, my breakdown of how it would be five people in a week if each person had a day. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to follow, right? That's why I got quiet. I was like, why am I explaining basic math to adults? Uh, anyways. So, yeah, no, in that case, it was, yeah. Um, I would say so, probably so, most of the volumes came in over the month, the first. But I, I think that they still trickled in up until the, you know, to the, clo- the close of the thing, so. I, I'm sure it would be front-loaded, though, right? Like, the way that the researchers typically jump onto something. Um, yeah, because there's that whole, like... Heavy. It's like the gold yeah. rush. Yeah, because, you know, like, if, if you get a duplicate, you may not get... I don't know how it works. Uh, I forget, but... Um, well, it, it, there's... Because within a certain time, I think within a certain time frame, we, we do certain things for duplicates, but... Um, yeah. Anyways, you could get a duplicate and not get paid out, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It, like from a, from a researcher perspective, like I, I remember when leaf, I, I can't remember if he mentioned it when he was on how segment handles uh, researchers, right. That they're more about building the relationship up. And that's probably what needs to be like, at least some sort of a focus is you foster the relationship with those. So even if it's a duplicate, if it, you know, they've obviously spent time and it's better written than something that's already come in, come in, they have a tendency to actually pay out on those. Even if it's just a couple hundred bucks, just to keep the researcher on the hook as far as, Hey, you want to work with us because even though this is a duplicate and we already knew about it, we want you in our program, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We do something similar. We're, we're standing up several private bounties and I was like the only person in the organization with any bug bounty experience. And so I got put sort of unofficially in charge of it and I'm going to be doing all the triage to start with. Um, And I was trying to explain to them that, you know, in this relationship, it makes a lot more sense just to throw that $250 away for something that's questionable that it does to, to fight over it. And then people go public with the, whatever it is, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's just it, right? Like they, you know, again, they go onto Twitter, they yeah. cause drama for the, you know, for the brand, for the program, but it also signals other researchers that, Hey, even when you do go public, maybe they don't want to participate because you guys are, you know, dotting your I's, crossing your T's and making sure that you, you know, you don't pay out at all, which yeah, yeah is what it is. Right. Um, yeah. So. I want to know what's going to happen with this 14 year old kid 
and the apple bug. Was it a 14 year old kid? Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here. It, right. Yeah. Do you yeah, have a so, link for that, Ken, that you can post? I'm Googling it right now as I'm, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, tried to warn Apple about the group FaceTime bug. I, I saw that it was not um, something it, it was part of their normal bounties, but it still should be, they should throw something at him. Yeah. Send him a new MacBook or something. Yeah. yeah. An iPhone. It's like worth what seven, eight thousand dollars, <laughs> or a million, something like that. All right, let me put it in here. On the link or a link. Cool. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, what would you award something like that? Like, uh, I mean, twenty, fifty. I mean, <clears throat> Apple has more money than most governments. You know, so they could, I mean, they could throw 50 grand at the kid and it wouldn't even be a line item on their budget. <laughs> yeah. And this definitely, uh, if you, you know, and it's huge. Like I a, mean, like, yeah. I wonder if they, the company, they faxed the company. Surprised no one picked up the fax. <laughs> this piece of paper slides out of this machine and people are like, what is that? <laughs> I didn't it was know just could do that. It was just brought in for like hipster, <laughs> hipster, uh, like irony or something, you know? Yeah. This is hilarious. Disable the yeah. group time FaceTime feature. I wonder if they have any way because they shut down the the FaceTime group capability. So I wonder if they had any any log or any way to triage to see if this was being exploited. Um. I don't know what kind of stuff goes on on the back end of iPhone networks. It's all very secure. No problems whatsoever. <laughs> like Obviously. that tweet that tweet that had the uh, Apple's whatever it said, something about uh, your message stays private or something on their iPhone, which is on the side of a Marriott <laughs> building. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ken, I was going to ask you if you're in a Marriott. Because you were saying only the FBI knows where you are, and there might be some other agencies not nope, in this nope. country. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny uh, <laughs> the whereabouts of my physical location. No, no, it's not a Marriott. You're on the run from the law. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Cool. All right. So we've covered. Uh, some stuff. So, yeah, uh, I should probably, probably introduce you. David Corsi now that we're uh, 38 minutes into the episode. <laughs> right. Well, David's David's been on the podcast before for, for what it's worth. But when he when when you were on the podcast, it was, you know, you were basically um, it was you and Stefan yeah. both uh, times. And this this time we wanted to we want to dedicate a special episode to getting to Aww. know David Corsi. Um so yeah, David Corsi. Uh, okay, so you'll talk more about your history, but um, Seth and I met David at in, uh, at Invisium, um, and yeah, like you're uh, definitely one of my uh, top favorite people. How about that? Yeah, um, yeah. No, uh, great person to work with. Um, always, always some interesting ideas. Um, we had a good you time. Were the only Strong other person. Team. What's that? Strong meme game. <laughs> Super strong. And at the time you were like, 
I think it was you and Ryan were the only other two people looking at Golang when, when we worked there, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed working with you. Uh, yeah. That was um, Seth hasn't chimed in, so you can just expect that Seth's saying, no, I don't, I don't know. didn't enjoy working <laughs> with him at all. Screw, screw you guys. I'm going on mute. No, just kidding. We talk way more now than we did when we worked together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, True. Yeah. I realized that. Um, just, yeah. it seems like there's quite a few people that just seems like we were running in kind of different circles at the time, working on different yeah. efforts. And let's be honest. We had no time in the day. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's the, that's the consulting the lifestyle, man. Like, you know, trying to, trying to be in a leadership position on an internal team now. And I, I have to kind of rein in my mental, idea of what a pen test team is supposed to operate like because you know we don't have that um we don't have that urgency where we absolutely have to get this test done get the report done and out to the customer you know if it if it takes a little extra time then i just can go back to the dev team and say sorry you know we think this is really important deal with it yeah, that's I like that's, it. That's, that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's a luxury to have for sure, right? Um, still being on the consulting side, it, typically those those deadlines for me are this is a drop dead deadline, and I I even pad that when I'm creating it, right? Just so I can have an extra little extra time if I need it. Yeah. But even then, there's always that I got to get this one done so I can move on to the next one because that's where you know that's the money. That's where the that's yeah. where everything stems from. Because Monday morning, another one is starting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And if you're not done, you're behind the eight ball for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so what are your main, yeah, no, I was going to, I was probably going to ask the same thing, like just about his main responsibilities at Allstate. Yeah. So when I was on here last time, I didn't say it cause I was kind of in the transition or something like that, but um, I'm the pen test lead at Allstate now. And so they, they kind of separate things a little bit differently. We have a red team. We have a pen test team. We have an AppSec team. Um, so I'm on the team that does only dynamic testing for, um, networks, websites, mobile apps. Um, so no static code analysis, although I'm kind of trying to include some of that back in. Um, but so, and then a lot of leadership stuff. So I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but they needed some love. The team needed to be modernized, um, and just kind of a little bit more formalized. So actually putting policies on paper, you know, the, the only like policy document we had as far as our, our procedure was like eight years old, um, you know? And so I would have calls, you know, for the first several months have calls with customers and they're like, what do you guys actually do? We have this requirement that says I have to get a, a pen test. You know, what does that mean? You know, and so like, and it's a, it's a gigantic organization, you know, so from the, you know, from my little company consulting mindset, I'm like, okay, let's just stand up a little website, put some docs up there. Like this other team has this amazing documentation site and it's on our internal Git. So I'm just going to fork that and host it somewhere. And like three months later, I still have not even <laughs> got approval to do this. <laughs> but is so, three months pretty typical of like approval timelines and I mean it's it could be anything like things you know a lot of stuff is automated you know they they're actually very 
mature in their network engineering and you know the AD automation and stuff like that. And so if I need a user added to a group, I can submit a ticket, it's all automated and it's done. But anything that might cost our team money, like hosting a static documentation site on our own servers, it's gonna cost my team $2,000 a year. Jeez, and, why, yeah. why can't you just throw it up on a pages, like make a pages right. repo? Yeah, so and this, so that's what I'm looking at. Um, oh. You know, stuff like that. You know, trying to trying to herd the cats, get people to you know, like I like Git, so I want all of our stuff to be on Git. But other people like Confluence, and some people <laughs> like SharePoint. <laughs> SharePoint, mm, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You know, so a lot of stuff like that. We just did our big 2019 planning meeting. And as you might imagine, we've got several apps and a couple networks, um, you know, and so we're just like trying to get a grasp because in the year of our Lord, 2019, <laughs> nobody had a good application inventory. Right. And, you, you know, the three of us, the three of us have talked about this like once a week for the past year, no application inventory. And so I'm like emailing people, can you please send me a list of all PCI applications? Oh, man. Yeah. Do they, what, what if, what if they faxed you this information? <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> You're just asking for it in the wrong form. right? Exactly. I just send them my my efax number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, like yeah, app inventory. So how is that going then? Are you actually, you know, I mean, I, attraction I, there? Or? Yeah, I mean, you just have to treat people like a bill collector, you know, just email them, "Hey man, I'm sure you just missed this <laughs> the seventh time." <laughs> I'm sure you're not ignoring this at all. <laughs> because you're horrified at the prospects of coming up with a list. Yeah. I <laughs> love know, trying oh. to always come up with like the the seventh email. Like how do you like how do you, by that point, how do you reword it to not sound like, like yeah. basically like, oh, for the seventh time now. Just in <laughs> <No>. case. <laughs> Just a reminder. You know, and we have we have many, many government regulations we have to follow. You know, so Application-wise, we just have, you know, the, the normal ones, PCI, HIPAA. SOX doesn't really have a pen test requirement, you know, but then we have, like, critical apps and external-facing apps, and we have all these categories of things that we have to pen test, and um, no one had ever done this before, put it into one, not even a pane of glass, just a list. Um, so getting that together, and we did it, and trying to, you know, like, okay, well, we have this many apps, and if we count each one as one week, which doesn't always work out, we're like, we're already stacked up to October. Um, you know, and so planning stuff like that, this is the first time I've ever had to do planning like this. And, you know, so we, we make this big spreadsheet, and an app last year got missed, mm. right? And then we find out that the wrong URL was used the year prior to that. And so the last quality pen test on this thing was a couple years ago. Um, and so the, you know, it's PCI season. So the audit team comes back and they're asking questions and, you know, just through sending things around through the leadership chain, they now have my spreadsheet. Oh, 
<laughs> which is and now, they're like now the source of authority. Yeah, it is and they're like, the well, how come truth. how come this says that this is not completed? So I'm like, because I made that shit last week, man. What do you want? You're using my list against me. At least I have a list. That yeah. was my list item number one. Make a list. So. The biggest item there is done. They used your list against you. That's messed up, man. Yeah, yeah. The good thing is, though, you know, you hear you hear nightmares, and everything comes down to relationships. But you definitely hear nightmares. But we have a lot of leadership support. My boss is amazing. Um, pretty much all of the leadership that I've met so far are really on board to make things better. Like they are, um, for better or worse, really buying into this whole cyber thing, and. So. Yeah, well, it's cyber thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the phrase I I get the sentiment. The phrasing's funny, but the sentiment. Yeah. yeah. But um, I mean, it's got to be interesting for you because I mean, it's got to be interesting for anyone because you can't. Because we were talking about this with trying to, you know, trying to de-scope apps so that you can just like various things you can do to basically reduce your workload or review. So yeah. one of those things was like de-scoping. And by the way, I'm just having to reiterate this for those that like aren't on the Slack channel or whatever. So the recap of that discussion was talking about code reviews and talking about all the apps that you have to assess and then how you figure out like, do I deprioritize these apps? How do I, can I like go to the architects and actually have them take out whatever thing is making this in PCI and maybe take wipe some apps off the compliance checklist. But it's, but with, with, as with the, the difficulty and just the, the logistics that you've had, I mean, that, I, that, that, that seems like a task so, that would have to be distributed. You, you couldn't do yourself at all. So in my experience so far, those ones aren't even the complicated situations. The, those ones are a little more black and white, right? Can this app be modified to make it not PCI? Someone knows. We don't know who knows yet, but somebody can do some work and figure that out. Or we can, you know, cross things off the list that are like internal only, you know, and you have to be on this specific system to get it, you know. And so we did cross hundreds of apps off the list. But the ones that are hard are the ones that are like, this is absolutely enterprise critical PCI and in constant development. So do we pen <laughs> test it every release? Yeah, yeah I mean, you can't. You can't. Yeah. And in those cases for compliance, I'm pretty sure you just need something to sit there and scan it. Right. And like somebody just get the results of it, which is. Yeah. So what I'm, one of the things I'm trying to work on now is what are our criteria to say what gets a pen test besides just the government regulations and external facing, right? Like we have, cause we, we do have lots of people who want to do good and want to get a pen test. And, you know, so they submit a request and we're already under this mountain of regulation stuff. And we're like, well, we just can't get to you in 2019. <laughs> it's not even February. Right. You know, and then, I mean, I, and then we have subsidiaries, you know, and the subsidiaries, yeah. the subsidiaries roll up to our regulation compliance. So, so, I mean, if you put these in scope for, for like bounty programs and then, or some of these apps in scope for that, vendor out to, to a contractor out some of those assessments. I mean, de-scoping some apps, I guess those are all things you could, uh, you could do, but at the end of the day, I mean, seems like, you know, there's a still a lot of, if you're, if you're in February saying I've got no room for you in 2019, it just yeah. seems like 
So it's we, an insurmountable task is almost what it sounds like. You know we, I mean? We're making another move like, you know, giant organization. So obviously some apps are 73 years old and some, <laughs> some their first release isn't out yet. They're still in, in dev. And so some of the teams move much faster and don't want to wait three weeks for a pen test. And so one of the things we're doing is coming up with a list of approved pen test vendors so that I can say, okay, you're doing an application. Here's five vendors you can select from. Make your pick, and then I'll manage the, the contract and I'll get the report, you know, or at least I'll view the report to make sure it's a quality pen test. Because we had some contractors last year, you know, one of the big four fancy audit firms, and you get the report and you're like, oh, it's pointless. This is trash. We just dropped 200 grand. So I could yeah. use, get no. some fire starter. I mean, that's the weirdest thing is that the, the, the quality of these bigger, bigger firms, it's, it's not, I mean, the yeah. reality is, is like, I don't, I don't know what you're paying for when you, when you pay all that and it is usually more expensive and there's a longer process and there's more to do between both yeah. sides from a procurement standpoint. I think it's I'm not same, sure what the benefit is. It's the same sentiment as, as nobody ever got fired for choosing IBM, right? Right. You can go up to any one of the board members and be like, yes, you know, PWC did this work or EY did this work or whoever. And they're like, oh, okay, that's great. And then it gets down to the report and we technical people are just like, Jesus Christ. Like, ah, I see what is going so, on. Yeah. But but shouldn't it be on us to explain that those are not good firms? It is. And then it just comes back, you know, it just takes time. Right? Sorry. Like, and I don't want to be very clear that I'm not saying, I'm not saying that those are not good firms. Those specific ones you name. I, what I I'm also saying think, is if there are ones that we know are do questionable work, then yes, that's the, yeah, and, the and you know, like we all work together at Invisium and we tried really hard to make sure that every report that went out the door was quality. We did three to four rounds of peer reviews and you had another, yeah, ar another arguably person. too much peer review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe, but it was quality work, you know, when you had people like Stefan and John Callahan, like troubleshooting your app, be like, did you check this? What does this mean right here? You know, and, and Tim saying that risk impact is not specific enough. Do something. Yeah. And, and so that's what I'm used to seeing now, you know, and, and going forward, that kind of work product is what I'm going to demand from contractors. Like if we're, if we're going to pay you $200,000 for 10 pen tests or whatever the number is, like you can write a damn PDF that looks good. Yeah. That's, and you know, like it's not necessarily just even talking about, you know, spelling and stuff. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Why is this even a thing? Why yeah, is, why is this included? Yeah, exactly. But you missed over, you missed the things that I care about the most. You know? I had, I had three calls yesterday and today with, with dev teams who got pen tests from contractors last year and they're not able to fix the behavior in this application. And I'll give you an example. Um, something that we stopped reporting at Invisium was the autocomplete password field in the yeah. browser because browsers don't let the application control that anymore. Right. And so there's nothing you can do. And this contractor is still reporting it. And so now the dev teams are coming back to me and trying to figure out how they get this off of their, you know, big red dashboard. 
Oh yeah, I had a oh, I had a similar situation back in consulting days, actually at the same company as Seth at Fishnet Security, and I won't talk about who it was, but it was one of our. It was actually another consultant within the same company, and uh, I remember getting a uh, like it was a, it was kind of a big deal. Um, this company came back, and they're they're a fi- they're a financial institution, so similar to you know Allstate, they've got they're just like heavily re- heavily influenced by regulation. And so it, what that means is when you go to write those reports, they, they have to be, especially if they're coming from the same consulting company, they've got to be um, like fair, fairly uniform, right? There shouldn't be new stuff. So what had happened was the, the other consultant was reporting on like, there's this uh, cookie that had no value whatsoever. Um, it was probably like a tracking cookie tracking or... Cookie. Yeah. yeah. So something of no value whatsoever. And they, they were like lack of HTTP only flag on it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. For an analytics. Yeah. Yeah. For an analytics cookie. So, uh, that so, actually so the hacker, the hacker can get like <laughs> Q equals four, seven, nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crack the code. Yeah. I, I, but that threw them into a, uh, absolute, like this isn't okay. And like, don't you guys have the same standard checks and all that stuff, which is a whole other topic, right? Standard checks. But, uh, but yeah. um, Yeah. I can see that happening. If it happened within the same consulting company, I can assume that there, that yeah, definitely occurs between other consultancies. Yeah. Like you talk about reports, you talk about PDFs. I like as a consultant, I, I don't know. I think this came up in the code review course. Ken, as we were giving it this last time, is uh, like me saying, as a as a contractor, I actually hate PDFs, right? I like just because of the inflexibility that's there, and yet, like even in Advisium, right, uh, and other places, it's always been, hey, I realize that this is the work product that I have to turn out. Like I don't have access to your Jira queue. You're probably not going to give that to me as a short termer, right? As a short term contractor, and that's fine. But if I can't give you something in a format that you can understand and that actually helps you, then I like I feel like I'm wasting my own time, not just your money. Right. It just is not a it's not a good situation to be in. Um, so but I've, I've seen so many reports that have been handed to me from clients uh, from big four accounting firms or even other pen test firms. And I'm like, I, I, I don't understand how this made it out the door. Right. Yeah. Uh, so stuff like the autocomplete stuff that's really old, um, it's it's almost like, hey, we just scanned it with some random scanner, uh, dumped the results, and yeah. that's the report that you're getting, and then we're going to charge you twenty grand for that. And I just like it's why we get a bad rap, right? It's why pen testing gets a, such a bad rap, and why security in general, from a de- developer's perspective, is just like, ah, crap. Here's another pen test, and it's not going to help me. And all it is is going to make more work, and I'm going to have to track down something that doesn't really affect the security of this application. Do they have I a, a fix for it? But what? Well, see, that's why when we were talking about Pwnhead, I don't know if it was like I think it was two weeks ago. Talking about Pwnhead, that was basically like the one redeemable part that I thought was interesting about it was having people do like an Angie's Angie's list for security consultants, security sorry, security consultancies, the vendors. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it would be interesting. Like, I, I don't it know. Be it'd almost be interesting to just pull a, like, a sample report from each of the different consulting firms because I know they hand them out 
to clients and just be like, hey, yeah. I need to see that just an average level of quality of what comes out of your your consultancy. I don't care if you redact all the images. I don't care if you redact all the source code, but show me what your impact statements look you know, like. I mean, we made an example one for a fake company with fake findings. And yeah. it's not that difficult. Um, <laughs> and you only need to make it once. It's just the follow-up that, that gets tough, right? Like, because then three years ago, the dude who made that report has long since moved on. And you got this junior person who all they can do is run the burp scanner. Yeah. You know? They're getting paid I mean, 40K. Well, that's I like when you talk about the big four, that's their model, right? Is, hey, we've got a couple of really sharp consultants that kind of create the practice. And then we're going to attempt to pull in a whole bunch of junior people straight out of college, give them a playbook and let them run. And we bill them. Um, and that, I mean, that's the dream of any consultancy is, you know, <laughs> Hey, we bill somebody out at four times what the, what we pay them. Yep. Is. Yeah. And that's a good reason why like David Corsi is a prime example of do, switching between consultancies and blue team and getting, um, bringing in what you had just done to the other job is he can sniff out, you know, anyone who's done consulting can sniff out some of the, like those things, right. Yeah. You know, to look for an example report. You know and, to ask, you know the questions to ask, you know to probably you can haggle with rate if you want to. Um, but I'd imagine it doesn't matter at all state. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like, you know, there's yeah. all kinds of things you, you know to do. And now that, now that I'm, you know, running with the team and um, we're starting to get good progress as far as success from the pen tests, getting good findings, stuff like that. Um, and they're, you know, we're in the plans to do this approved third-party vendor thing. Like, and my name's getting out there, and people starting to to talk to me more and get my reputation. So I will have the latitude to destroy vendors that come back with trash product. Right? Like that's my whole goal. <laughs> like, if you want to work with my company, you know, we're going to pay you a lot of money. Therefore, you are not going to bring me trash. Yeah. And you're going to schedule it. And, and also you should, uh, you should just see if you can do like uh, Q1 through Q3 and avoid the Q4 yep. bit there. Yeah. yeah. You know, to look out for that. So you could be yeah. like, well, we're, when we're you're, you're dry spawn, yep, exactly. Yeah. The next couple of months are prime time, right? Yeah. That's a good point. I'm working on writing up those, um, those requirements. Like, what does that look like? You know, you have to, you know, if you want to be, I'm going to have the list of like, you know, mobile applications, networks, and IOT, right? So if you want to be on the mobile pen testing list for approved vendors, you have to have this capability, at least on paper, who knows, right? But, um, you know, you have to have the mobile capability and you need to send me a sample report and, you know, be able to pass a background check. Um, you know, yeah, so yeah. I have to write that up in a document that'll make it through legal. <laughs> I have no idea what that process <laughs> is going to be like. <laughs> Coming in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a big company and that's kind of what you expect, right? That like, is, I don't know, it, um, Jeremy Long worked for Wells Fargo, right? Um, and then that Wells Fargo team, that's very much what they do, right? They have their approved vendor list as far as uh, contractors go that they will accept penetration test reports from. And it's pretty extensive. Like to get on that list is not an easy thing because at some point they were like, yeah, this this is crap, right? Somebody at Wells Fargo did this. And it's brilliant because it did limit the number of 
consultancies that were on the list, but it also, I'm sure it improved their lives immensely. Right? Yeah. Having to actually review those results and get them to developers and actually fix stuff. I, I can only imagine that it did. Yeah. yeah, it's like a procurement paved road too. It's easy to invoice. It's easy to you know, all the legal stuff's already worked out. Yeah. Yep. And that way, that way, the dev teams can just you know send me the signal like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna call up whoever next week. Can you get them scheduled, and we'll have somebody ready to go, um, as opposed to what they're doing now. Yeah. Well, and I know I mean they even pushed it on their like third party vendors, right? So if 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 you were being audited by Wells Fargo, right, you provided some sort of a financial service to them, they would only accept penetration test reports from one of their approved vendors. Like it went to that level. I think B of A like, does that too. They just didn't trust anybody else. They're just like, yeah. look, you know, we can come in and do it for you. Like we'll scan your code with our our instance of Fortify, but if yeah. you don't trust us, look, here's five or six people that we do trust and we know that do good work. I've been burned before, man. Yeah. <laughs> we all have. We all have. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be some good example reports out there of what not to do. Yeah. You're just not legally allowed to share any of, share any of them. Any of the real ones. Yeah, I think that, you know, honestly, I think going going back to it, that was one of the, because you had mentioned you, if someone, you're trying to do a test and you're like, I don't know, you want to run an app or install an app and, whatever, like you're running some technical difficulties. I like the fact that our Slack was such that everybody was like super talkative and helpful. And it, it was definitely like, I, I don't know how you felt, um, but I, I felt like it was totally okay to just ask questions and not feel like people yeah. were sitting there being like, oh, this guy's an idiot or something like that, or this person's yeah. an idiot. I'm I'm trying to push that both in my team and between teams as well to, you know, like, look, if you got questions, everybody has questions. So just ask it and let's all talk about it. Um, you know, and figure stuff out. It makes us all better. You know, I'm trying to get more communication going between the different teams. Like, Hey, you guys in the static SCA team need, you know, making up a POC fine, come to me. And then when I need help finding something in code, I'm going to come to you. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I mean, you guys are big enough that you separate out those functions. Um, and yeah. I know, you know, Ken, you know, on your, your team as well there, at least you've got like product security versus application security, right? There's, it, you start to silo out as you get bigger and that's where it becomes tough. Like even yeah. amongst the security folks, making sure everything's going on. Like I, you know, I've got a couple bigger clients that I work with and that's definitely the case, right? It's, it's hard to even know who's working on like, cloud security and can talk to me about cloud security architecture because yeah. you're so insulated from what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. You have to have leadership that really pushes collaboration. You know, I mean, our, I know our SCA team works really hard getting all that stuff in the CICD pipeline so that everybody who's doing current development is getting scanned nightly or whatever they do. I don't know, but um, you know, and then, they push it off to us, but there hasn't been a lot of collaboration historically between the teams. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, and I, yeah, having people like you on staff is obviously going to help. Right. So yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> if you don't shit post too much. Right? You know? Yeah. I felt like there was like, 
that uh that moment of like yeah no yeah it should be totally yes yeah no that's it would be better because i'm here it would be better yeah. right right yeah. it'll yes. definitely be better yes <laughs> no no yeah that's that's awesome yeah you you definitely got your i mean you can take what you learned in consulting and and bring it and then apply it there but it's there's just things that doing that you know you're the challenges you're facing you it's I would be interested interested to hear, you know, sort of like um what what did you are there things that you thought as a consultant were important that you know when you get to working on the defense side, somewhat defense side, um surprises you that on the other end you're not so concerned about it. Um <clears throat> I think one of the things that probably is the most important, and I think pen testers everywhere can take this to heart, is when you're on the defensive side, you've got people coming at you from every angle. So you're just you just want to make your app and get it out into production. And you've got security people coming at you from multiple places, like, oh, your server's not patched. Oh, your your code has bugs. Oh, we did the pen test. And you've got these reports and you don't know which ones are which ones are the most important, you know, which ones are duplicates. And as a security person, you have to be able to look at it and on paper very clearly say, look, this is going to cause this problem and make it realistic. That secure flag missing on the cookie is not the end of the world, right? You must be very explicit so that they can make decisions on how to prioritize their development and and keep the wheels of the machine turning because when everybody has to stop and have three meetings a day and talking about the the red squares on the spreadsheet everything grinds to a halt yeah yeah i mean it's <clears throat> sounds familiar <laughs> definitely sounds familiar you know, and like you were talking about in the very beginning of this, having those relationships with the developers where you can just, you know, we're, we're big, so I can just Skype them. Or if they're in the same office, I can just walk over and kneel by their desk and be like, look, dude, I'm trying to help. Let me show you exactly what I'm talking about. You know, just bang on the keyboard right. for a minute, put in my string and do whatever. Um, yeah, reproduct, because re I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, reproduction steps, um, making those as, as, as exact as possible yeah, easy to follow and simple. Um, you know, and would like make sure you use tools that they're going to have. Like, don't throw burp in your repro steps. Use the yeah. Chrome developer tools. You know. Yeah. Um, I you say that, but I can't tell you the number of times I've opened up a report and seen like the reproduction steps. Step one, open burp. <laughs> yeah. burp, right? And I'm like, uh, the developers don't have access to that, right? Step one, open Ida Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Step two, pick up a couple books. Yeah. yeah. Be long... Spend the next six months becoming an RE expert. Yeah. Step three, own the application. You are vulnerable. <laughs> no. I, I, you said something the, else. I was going to yeah, comment on it, but I don't remember now. So sorry. We're Ken, talking about reproduction steps um, and those being invaluable. For, oh, like, no, no, no. What you were saying as far as like actually engaging with the developers, I think as a consultant, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm one step away from that. Um, but on some of the, you know, the bigger contracts that I have where I'm dealing with the developers, yeah. we always talk about it in code review, how, hey, guess what? 
a five, 10 minute conversation with a developer is going to help you immensely just understand the application, how it's laid out and oh, yeah. everything like that. And I, like, I think the flip side is true as well, right? You spend five or 10 minutes with them when you find something, just explaining, hey man, what's going on here? Because it looks like I can do this and you know, give them a heads up that kind of rapport and relationship building is going to pay off in spades. Yeah. Down the and road. I, I really like avoiding those conversations where, you know, they're like, Oh, well, we don't think this is a high because whatever reason, you know, I just, I don't want to get to that point. I want to stop it before then. So I can find out what is the real risk and severity of this. And, you know, how do we, how do we repro? How do we remediate, you know, stop all that before you have to schedule another freaking meeting. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, like uh, informal meetings, informal Slack, uh, as opposed to the formal readout call with their manager sitting in the room where you just, you know, you just dropped a critical vulnerability yeah. on there. Yeah. Of course they're going <coughs> to take it off, right? The manager they, and yeah. audit and, and everybody else. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, yeah. Oh, yeah, but well, on the other hand, if you drop it, if you give it to them first and then you're in the meeting with them and you're like, hey, we found this, but guess what? You know, kudos to this team because we notified them. They've already got it yeah. fixed. That's a much different conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would add to that. I've always liked when companies would give us uh, access to their Slack for just like one channel. Yeah. And it was um, so that we could ask their devs questions and uh, bring up like, hey, I've got something you probably want to know about. Uh, what's the best way to send this over, you yeah. know, prior to the, uh, final. Get those out cause, quick. It's, cause it's also easy when you go to write those exact sums, like for your, for you who probably has external facing reports, um, you want to be able to say in the exact sum, like we got this stuff fixed. Yeah. Right. Like that's the bottom yeah. line is that sentence of everything has been mitigated. That is, you know, either everything was mitigated or anything, everything under a certain severity level. Yeah. Yeah, except that we use Archer for reports. So I would like to just, for the record, clearly state, RSA, get your shit together. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's what I like about this podcast. Everyone just tells it as it is. Before, before Invisium, I worked for Department of Veterans Affairs doing essentially the same thing except it was just one gigantic application with like five development teams made up of like each one, the smallest one had like three scrum teams and the biggest one had like 20 teams. All right. So lots, a couple hundred developers working on one application, gigantic. And it was very similar where I could just walk over and, and talk to people um, and really make a positive impact. And you see being on the, being on the side where you're, a little bit closer to the developers, you can actually see like the light come on in their eyes when you show them proofs of concept on whatever type of exploit. Um, and it takes it from being just this stupid thing, the XSS one box to something that just happened in front of them. And people, it really starts to click for people. And then, you know, we, you've talked about it on this podcast before you build those. Um, I don't know what the word is. You just you find those people who really want to be security into security. Champions. Security champions. That's it. You yeah. find those security champions, and it makes all the difference. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. Yes, what you said 
that's not an appropriate way for me to have responded to what you said. <laughs> but there's a reason. And it, yeah. And if you're in the Slack, you're you guys are seeing the reason. So oh man. <laughs> it's, too, it's too late now. It's on the recording. <laughs> Your Wi-Fi password's in the background. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Is it Dolphin can you, One? Can you see it? Nah, I can't see it, but no, it's funny. I'm not going to pick it up. You're you not going to change it. If anybody joins, it's fine, right? That's hilarious. Um, oh, man. No, I, I like what you're saying, Dave, though, is it, it makes sense, right? Is that like actually having those security people or the, the quasi-security developers. Um, I don't, like I've seen, I, that was one of the things that Leaf that segment was talking about at AppSec Cali is how do, you, how do you go about fostering that relationship and building it so that you can identify those people? And then he was also talking about, like that's where Dave Scribonia came from over there is he like had been sucked over from being a developer to the security team, right? Uh, yep. I, it's more I just... security engineers. It's not... Hey, I'm a product security person, and I only do application security stuff. It's like, hey, you're building security tools for us. Yeah, right? I just I learned this from you people. I just talked with my boss about that because we're looking for a senior pen tester right now, and coming up this quarter, I think we're going to look for two juniors. Um, and I said we need to look for a developer that's interested in security because we need we have our tools that we want to develop, and we do application security pen testing. Like the developers that like security can slip into it much easier than the person who, you know, has messed with Cali a couple of times on CTFs. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, I don't know. I like the longer that I stay in the industry or like the more I do application security, the more I see the pathway is coming through development, right? Uh, you know, those are definitely the guys that you want Number one, to build your tooling, right? You, you've got to have real developers to do that. Yeah. And for two, they they just understand where the flaws are. Right? I As hope he doesn't watch this. Application. I hope he doesn't watch this, but I talked to one of my team members who was supposed to help us do our custom development project. And, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's, you know, let's do Go. And, like, what kind of JavaScript front end should we do? And he's like, well, I think we should use Spring. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> eh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, not happening. What if, what if, what if they said Rails? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's plenty of other companies out there they could work for. <laughs> there's at least one. <laughs> there's ones of us. <laughs> That's awesome. Sweet. Well, we should probably start wrapping it up, Seth. I hate to do it, but it's yeah. uh, late and. Uh, Man, Dave, thanks Gotta for roll. coming on. Yeah, uh, man, it's no, always a blast. It's, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, it's always great having you on and catching up, right? Um, let us know yeah, how hey. things are going. So. Let people know we need a senior pen tester in Charlotte. Okay. If they have development experience, that's even you know that's yeah. even better, right? That's what you're saying? Cool. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll spread the word for sure. Um, hey, uh, so anything that you're going to in the near future where people could meet up with you or ask questions? Um, I try to get to all the B-sides around the you know Charlotte and Charleston area. Greenville's coming up. Um, I'm going to try to do Infiltrate, but that's a little bit more expensive. Um, I'll do DerbyCon again for this final year. Um, I might submit to that one again. 
that was pretty fun. Um, I've got to right. I've got to find a new Derby Con. Right, that was my one that yeah. I did every year. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd almost say like DefCon's not the same anymore, right? That's not it. Doesn't have that same. Well, I to be fair, I like I've never been to DerbyCon, so I couldn't tell you. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think what, what, this year this year was two thousand people or twenty five hundred, three thousand. Anyway, a tenth of the size of DefCon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, th- th- there's other conferences that are out there. Uh, maybe you should come out to like CactusCon. You should have yeah. been AppSec Cali. That was that's right because awesome. I got accepted to CactusCon this year, and that was the same day as Belfast. That's right. So that was yeah, that was not a tough decision. Hmm. But, we we see where your your interests lie. That's fine. Yeah, it's the whiskey man. Arizona's not known for their whiskey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I but I have been doing a lot of research and messing around with Frida still. So I'm I'm consistently trying to improve my Frida game, doing the mobile hacking. Um, and so I'll probably continue that down that road. I've had a couple of people ask me to put together a, a mobile hacking course to do with these conferences like one or two days but that is so much work and yeah i'm lazy well maybe maybe you should talk to like kevin cody and make him help you and yeah 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 i mean i mean that's part of the reason ken and i are doing the secure code review together is because yeah it's too lazy to build it on my own i need yeah i mean he'd be great he's my go-to guy for help anyway every time i have problems he helps me out so no, that'd be good because I mean that's one of those that I'd be interested in taking like personally, right? You know, yeah. Like, I do some stuff with Frida and with like uh, what is it, Rio? I can't remember what you know some of those other things, but it's like it, it always need to get better with it when it comes to mobile yeah. testing, right? There's always oh, it's, it's more so so fast. The flux in it, it's just yep. constantly changing. Yeah, so maybe maybe we'll have another uh, podcast and we'll talk about Frida sure. and mobile testing and how you're going about that because that's always a good topic. Or maybe yeah. we'll have you and Dave on, to, or you and uh, Kevin on together, which would be interesting too. So. Yeah, cool, man. Cool. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's always fun. Yeah. Thank you. Anything Appreciate else that we need to bring up? Nope, nope, not at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But next week we've got um, Sean Porras. The AppSec managed, uh, actually more than that, um, but works for Oath, the AOL, Yahoo. Uh, it's now Verizon, Verizon Media. Verizon Media. Oh, sorry. Verizon Media now. I can't keep up. Yeah, so, uh, times. so that should be a fun one. But yeah, I don't think we have anything else to chat about. Um, okay. All right. Well, hit us up on Slack or on Twitter if you've got any questions. You can find Corsi on Twitter at DA Corsi, right? Yep. Um, or, or, you know, find them in the common Slack channels that we have. And yeah, we'll post this shortly, but thanks everybody for joining tonight. Thank you. Bye y'all.